This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. Today, a conversation with the director of the Rhode Island Department of Labor and Training, Scott Jensen. All right, first of all, great to be back here with everybody. I was off on Friday, and um, well, I wasn't off. I was on the radio. We didn't put a new podcast episode out, but um, we'll have a few more weeks of new episodes here in December before we get into our best of 2020. Can you believe it? We're already approaching the end of this maniacal year, but um, in the meantime, obviously, here in Rhode Island, I just got the message on my phone as I'm recording that hospitals evidently are at capacity, and we're entering into the Rhode Island pause today, which is a two-week semi-shutdown, okay? And you've heard me here on the podcast, you've heard me other places on social media, radio, whatever, saying that, look, I think that this pause should be far more encompassing that frontline workers in retail, in restaurant spaces, whatever, should essentially be paid to stay home. And businesses should be able to depend on resources to get them through this as well. And you've also heard me say, look, They're saying it's a two-week pause. I hardly believe that after two weeks, we're going to be able to get the COVID numbers here in Rhode Island down to a point where, you know, we can legitimately or practically open up to anything close to full capacity again, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of a given. I personally think that we're going to extend far into through the holidays and far into um, the winter as we get into 2021. So with that, one of the pressing issues is getting workers unemployment, TDI, whatever it is that they're entitled to so that they can bridge this moment, pay their rent, pay their expenses, and by and large, just survive through this, um, essentially this nightmare that we're in at this specific point in time. As we see the map of COVID cases in the US, we see Rhode Island, a dark shade of red. We're not in a good place here in the ocean state. And it's it's extremely important that folks do what they can to protect themselves, to protect their families, the people they care about, and to protect their communities. And a big part of that is receiving unemployment. Now, I've heard from a lot of you, and on today's episode with the director of the DLT, Scott Jensen, I'm going to read and ask some of the questions that you all sent me over the last few days. And I did get a a lot of them. I think we get to five or six questions here in the episode. And hopefully, through this conversation, it sort of sets a tone and you're able to feel a bit more comfortable about where things stand in terms of the infrastructure of calling and getting a hold of the Department of Labor and Training, applying for benefits, retroactive payments, all of these things. So I know that this is a major issue for a ton of you out there. And believe me, I completely understand it. And I think that we need to be focused on delivering to our frontline workers of any stripe, hazard pay, okay, Um, and the utmost respect that we can pay, which is to stay the hell away from as many places as possible. But we're not in a full shutdown, okay? They're still letting some indoor dining happen here. And look, as I'm a restaurant supporter. There's no doubt about it. I think there's major problems with the way that restaurant workers are compensated. But I think restaurants are fundamentally a great thing for our state. And we need to kind of come out of this pandemic with some new ideas and new ways to compensate and take care of everyone. I think that's that's a given as well. But right now here in this exact moment, there are people who are going to be in places of employment and we need to do what we can to stay home um, and, and, and allow them to have as little contact with other folks as possible. I think that is something that we can all do if we're not out there uh, in the field. Obviously, we're not as individuals going to be able to write hazard paychecks. But today's conversation focusing on 
you out there or someone you know who, whether you're currently on unemployment or as a result of the pause, you're going to be going on unemployment or temporary disability insurance because you've had a close contact with someone who is COVID positive, whatever the case may be, there's been a lot of confusion And I've heard, again, from a lot of you out there that have said, look, I've tried calling over and over again. I've never been able to get through. So Director Jensen today laying out exactly what steps have been taken since the spring, where they're at now inside the DLT as far as processing claims, and where they are in terms of preparing for what I believe will be a significant continuation of this pause, as I just mentioned, into 2021. So appreciate everyone who has contributed questions to this episode and in general has reached out. You can always get a hold of me anytime, Bill at ripodcast.com, on Twitter at Bill Bartholomew, also on Instagram at Bill Bartholomew, or join the B-Town Facebook group. Simply head to btown.stream. And if you want, send me a message and I'll give you my signal number as well so we can communicate um, in an encrypted form if that's something that you would prefer as well. Okay, B-Town is a listener-supported program. There's a few ways you can support this operation. One, you can share this episode on social media or via text message to a friend, who, particularly this one, who someone who may need to get this information. Um, you can also leave a rating and review wherever you're listening right now, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, whatever it may be. And if you want to go a step further for as little as $3 per month, you can support the independent journalism opinion, analysis, and entertainment that we've become known for. Simply head to patreon.com slash Bartholomewtown or click the support link wherever you're listening right now. For $10 per month, you'll receive exclusive monthly content, including commentary from myself and from others like Ted Nisi of WPRI, Ian Donis of The Public's Radio, Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz. It's all right there for you as a B-Town insider at the $10 per month level. Okay, let's get into this important episode with the director of the DLT, Scott Jensen. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast, Rhode Island's podcast of record. It is a timely um, conversation here, of course, because of the governor's announcement that during the pause, recipients of unemployment will get $200 per week extra. And of course, December 1st, even January 1st is approaching rapidly for many folks. What's, I guess, right out of the gate, there's been a lot of people who are either they're unable to get through on the phone lines that I've heard from, or they're just in one way or another with unemployment, with TDI, concerned that they're not going to be able to get the funds that they're entitled to during the pause or even retroactively, they're concerned about being able to stay in their homes, whatever it may be. So I guess right out of the gate, what's your message about the system that's been built and what people can expect as far as getting access to unemployment or other um, programs that, that are under your auspices? Sure. Well, I can commit to saying that everybody is going to get um, what what they're entitled to for sure. And um, you know, I think there's a range of uh, of circumstances where um, most of the people are being served at this point. Pretty, you know, it's a it's a, um, a conveyor belt at this point. Uh, every now and again. Uh, there are uh, weird circumstances that people uh, genuinely have. Maybe we have to get military wages or wages from out of state or their employer uh, disputes whether or not they uh, deserve the benefit. Um, those instances, things are going to take uh, a little bit longer, but most of the people uh, are going to get uh, served pretty quickly. Um, we, the governor, uh, you know, design the program such that it would be expeditious. So 
uh, I'm confident that we're going to be able to get most of the people what they need pretty quickly. Do you have the call staffers that you need? Do you have the the personnel to process and frankly answer the phone when people call sure. at this point? Yeah, you know, we do. And, um, y- you know, I think people just in terms of the mechanics of given uh, unemployment insurance benefits during a pandemic, mm-hmm. gotta think broadly of it, like 250,000 people applied for UI benefits at one time, uh, you know, March, April, and that's never happened before. So we had to take, uh, we had very few people, uh, well, historically low number of employees at the DLT uh, in the UI division at that point, because the rate was so good. We forget, uh, you know, how few people were on unemployment insurance back before the pandemic. So what we had to do was take people off of the phones Uh, And, you know, when people were applying on the Internet, uh, do all the paperwork behind the scenes to get those people the benefits they needed. And as that giant group made its way through, uh, they get initially processed and then they all need many of them need to have their claim services serviced. Um, You know, straightforward, practical things like I forgot my password. And I, and I got a call, like I, I'm confused and I got to call in and get it. Uh, so um, unfortunately, that kind of help, uh, you need a real UI pro to be able to make those decisions. So what we had to do was surge people away from back office work and put them on the phones and, you know, make sure that we keep that balance so that new claimants can get served within 14 days and uh, we can uh, help people. So right now we're taking a thousand calls a day, um, which uh, because of uh, new technology that we put in during the pandemic, we can actually know how many people, how how many people are calling us. Uh, uh, Believe it or not, uh, we couldn't tell that, uh, you know, in March, just didn't have the technology. Now we do. So that, uh, seems to be right-sized. And that's not to diminish any challenges that anybody has. It's, it's, it is tough uh, to get through. Uh, you know, we're, we're always going to, it's tough to get through during regular times, but we're, we're going to, uh, we'll be able to serve people, I think, during, this, during the pause. Do you feel confident? Because look, you know, there's obviously, we're hoping that the pause gets the numbers dialed in. I literally, just as we were beginning this, got a note not a note, I got a, an alert on my phone that says hospitals are at capacity right now. So we assume the field hospitals are going to open and, and so on and so forth. But the pause being two weeks, maybe that'll work, but I'm sure that there's at least uh, a good chance that that sort of um, mechanic will be extended, whether it's a full-scale lockdown or whatever it may be that we're going to be looking at through the winter uh, on and off again, or maybe straight through high unemployment. Do you feel like you're ready for another surge, if you will, the second wave of what we had in March and April, where hundreds of thousands of people were trying to access the system? You know, yeah, yeah, I think we are. I mean, again, we ramped up uh, hiring. Um, There are well over uh, 150 people working at UI right now. There were under 100 uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, you know, back in March, and uh, we've made a lot of improvements. So um, that will help claims go through quicker. 
uh, our teams are used to, our team is used to um, the incredible claims volumes. We're not going to be surprised by that. Um, so I, you know, I think we're going to be able to get, to get through uh, the the pause and and subsequent uh, trouble. Um, and you know, I am uh, you know one thing that is great about working for Governor Raimondo and working with Nicole Alexander Scott and her team. I have a lot of faith in the decisions that they made. So I'm. I think, you know, the pause is um, one of the more responsible moves um, when you look at how other states are dealing with this surge in claims, or excuse me, the surge in, uh, you can tell where my mind is at, yeah. but this surge in cases. And, you know, I, I'm really hopeful that um, we once again did the right thing at the right time and in the right way. And that uh, it will pay off for uh, the state, both from a health perspective, but also from secondarily an economic and unemployment insurance claims perspective. Are you seeing any business sectors in particular having a, a greater flood than others? You know, obviously with the service industry, with restaurants down to one third indoor dining capacity, that may even drop off to as low as zero percent indoor dining capacity. You would expect to see a lot of people who frankly, a lot of their wages are earned off the books. Um, is, that a, is that something that's kind of factoring into the challenges you're facing? So, you know, uh, we're in a wait and see mode right now. Um, since, uh, you know, in the last week, claims have ticked up. That's for sure. They have uh, around the country, but we haven't seen um, kind of going back to levels that we were at, uh, you know, in March and April. So just for a little bit of scale, um, la- week before last, we had 71,000 people in Rhode Island uh, certifying for unemployment insurance. At a high, uh, you know, I think we're at almost 150,000 people. So to we'd have to double again to get back to where we were uh, during um, the very teeth of, of the early spring. So... Um, you know, we're watching that carefully. We haven't seen that kind of um, that kind of uh, return to volume yet. Um, I would be speculating if um, you know if I said definitively, "Well, you know, here's what industries people are coming from." I'm with you. Uh, obviously, uh, the the hospitality and restaurant industry—that's uh, what everybody's super worried about simply because of the restrictions um, defect, uh, you know, directly affecting uh, folks in that industry. So, uh, you know, we're ready to help everybody and are, keep, and are really keeping our eye on it. And this applies to TDI as well? Yeah, yeah. And luckily, TDI, we haven't seen, um, we haven't seen the spikes uh, yet. Uh, it is really important for people to know that the governor's emergency order giving uh, two weeks of TDI without a doctor's note, um, you know, in an expedited fashion uh, for them to take to make use of if they are uh, required to quarantine, if they need to stay at home. Uh, those things are really important because we, you know, obviously health trumps everything when it comes to uh, what the priorities are. So if you're sick, uh, if a family member or someone you've had contact with is sick, stay home, call us. We will get you TDI. We'll help you in any way we can. But um, 
public health is, is the most important thing. We just have to always remember that. Discover over 200 episodes of Rhode Island's podcast of record, the Bartholomew Town Podcast, on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your pods. Or head over to our website, ripodcast.com. Folks, we are just a few weeks away from our best of 2020 episodes. We're going to highlight the top 20 episodes of the year. If you'd like to vote on what was your favorite episode or what you think was the most important episode of the year, send a message to bill at ripodcast.com, definitely including the listener poll, if you will, into my decision-making process. Um, I'll also look at some of the total numbers that came up as we look at total downloads, total streams, all that kind of business, total shares, and uh, sort of the impact that some episodes had as well. But that's the best of 2020, the top 20 of 2020. That's a lot of 20s there, sorry. Bill at ripodcast.com or tweet at me, at Bill Bartholomew, if you want to get in on that conversation. What about for you and, and the people in your office? This must have been... At times, it kind of reminds me of the poll workers, you know what I mean, where you've got maniacs screaming at, at poll workers in Pennsylvania, whatever it is, you know, I'm sure you're not getting death threats like those folks, but maybe you are. But I mean, this must have been a stressful period for you. How's your office managing this, um, this workload and, and kind of the, the pressure that has been, been put upon your shoulders here? Well, so in March and April... Uh, I would tell you that I have never experienced anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm so proud to have served with uh, the team of people at DLT to get all that work done. And um, it was uh, hopefully something that's once in a lifetime and I'll never forget it. Um, and, you know, in terms of going forward, uh, we're, we're cautiously confident because, you know, we had to do some things during the pandemic that are now done. So for example, we went to the cloud and, you know, can take an infinite amount of phone calls to certify automatically during, um, when we, when the governor closed the economy in March, uh, we could only take 5,000 phone calls at one time from folks who needed to certify for UI benefits. Uh, that's it. Um, we now consistently have on Sundays, 70,000 people calling us to say that they're still unemployed and that they still need benefits. Um, we did not have a remote call center on March 9th. While we were serving all these people, we had to figure out how to get everybody a laptop. We had to figure out the technology for them to work at home and hammer out the security, uh, and get everybody at home, you know, Folks were very nervous, like they felt like having a laptop was, um, you know, being the first one to work remotely would save their lives. And and our team was really scared about it. But uh, we've worked through that and our whole call center is completely remote. Uh, we've trained people remotely now. They're all working from home. Um, and by the way, we're seeing productivity increase uh, from our UI colleagues uh, taking calls at, at at their house in a secure way. So um, there are some advantages we have right now, but boy, oh boy, was that, uh, that pandemic was a, a scarring pers- uh, experience from just the amount of stress uh, and, uh, you know, that everybody dealt with. But in that sense, uh, the team at UI and here at DLT was um, like everybody else. You know, it was an awful time and, you know, we're in a better spot, I think, to keep, uh, you know, to get through it now with the pause. 
Last couple of minutes here, we've got some listener questions. Michelle's wondering what's going on with the um, the fraud that we saw. I know this was not just a Rhode Island thing, but um, you know that that came up. A lot of people had their claims frozen. Is that sort of figured out now, at least on a baseline level? Figured out is a strong way to put it, um, but certainly normalized. So that was another. Thanks for reminding me about that, Bill, because that was uh, a terrible part of the story uh, during the pandemic. Uh, we had never been any UI program in the country. Uh, it had never been hit like that uh, with that uh, amount of fraud. Uh, we have um, really deployed some pretty sophisticated cybersecurity uh, efforts to stop that um, and are doing far, far better. Uh, the state police working in conjunction with federal authorities have actually made some arrests. Um, we're really beginning to um, deal with that in a much more effective way than we ever have. So we're, you know, just for some scale, we've um, we've delivered about $2.25 billion worth of unemployment insurance benefits since the beginning of the pandemic. Roughly $17 million uh, in fraudulent claims have been identified. Um, that is a, you know, it's a giant number, uh, and, but two good things about it relative to the size of um, uh, of how much how many benefits we've given out, uh, it puts it in some proportion that um, you know it took a lot of hard work to get down to that, and that number has not been going up uh, as much as it has been in the last you know in in the last month it hasn't been going up as much as it uh, was going up during earlier parts of the pandemic. So uh, we're getting better. Ian writes that um, as a healthcare worker, he is finding essential workers who are symptomatic and awaiting test results um, that are trying to get on TDI or unemployment. He says he's, he's got multiple coworkers who have been exposed to patients and there doesn't seem to be a consensus on whether or not these individuals are covered by either TDI or unemployment. What should they, where should they be going basically if they need to be sit out for three to six days as they await test results because they came into contact with a COVID positive patient? Sure. Um, that, uh, either one, but, uh, I would go, uh, TDI is the most straightforward way and we can move that, uh, move that quickly. Um, and they should definitely stay home, obviously. Um, but TDI would be the one for three, six day while you're waiting to get test results back, figure out what's going on. Twitter user writes that their employer is a, one of the larger employers in the state and that they've been encouraged to take sick days if they are symptomatic, asymptomatic, um, or had a, a possible contact with a COVID positive person uh, rather than go on TDI. Is that appropriate or should that person be you going on TDI rather than using their, their sick time? Um, I, you know, I would use sick time first and uh, TDI second. Um, but um, again, uh, that's going to be up to the individual. We want to make sure uh, that the TDI trust fund is as healthy as possible. And, you know, we are in a, we're, we're in a unique and awful circumstance and we got to kind of work together to get through it. And there are going to be people who don't have any, sick time who, um, you know, are going to really, uh, suffer, uh, economic consequences if they're not paid for those days. So we want to make sure that trust fund stays there for them. 
Rui writes that um, he appears to be, if he if he went back to the beginning of of his his unemployment time, he would be about two thousand three hundred and forty nine dollars behind because he was not able to get through to the system in April. Is there any kind of retroactive reimbursement for someone who now this far out here we are in December, um, ostensibly in December and they are looking back and saying, wow, you know, I couldn't get through at that point. I couldn't figure out the system. I never got my retroactive payment. Is that something that's possible to sort out at this point? It is possible to sort that out at this point. And, you know, he should definitely give the call center a call and uh, work on that. Um, it, it would depend on which date he gave. Uh, and I hope I'd encourage people uh, with whatever they're telling uh, folks, when they're applying for TDI, UI, PUA, it doesn't matter. Just tell exactly what happened. When when you went out, what day, when it was, don't worry about uh, what you think you should say. Tell the truth and, uh, you know, we will figure it out with you. And last question uh, that we'll get to here is from Kay who asks about TDI she says also retroactively, there had been something in the system that for the last month and a half, she should have been receiving. And when she finally got through to somebody, her claim hadn't been processed yet. Um, is there anything to that? Is that just a one-off situation? Do you have a batch of TDI cases, I guess, that, that something fell through the cracks in recent times? I, I don't know of a batch. Um, mm. You know, again, like UI, each TDI instance is different. So, um, you know, it may be that she fell through the cracks or that there was a complicating factor in, yeah. uh, in her application, but uh, typically uh, things are moving pretty quick. Director, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. And um, here we go. You know, the, second, go. the second wave, let's, let's uh, I, think, I think we've all learned from everybody has, is, is more prepared for it. And it certainly seems like in, on your end, you've gotten... Um, you know, not to, again, this isn't to rip the, the DLT from, from the perspective of March because nobody was really expecting what we ended up with, but it seems like we're heading in a, in a better direction for this second wave anyway. Well, you know, I, thanks for saying that. And for sure, um, nobody was prepared for what happened in March. Uh, you know, if I were just talking to my DLT team, I would say that you know, we uh, achieved a C plus or B minus mm-hmm. in uh, the first part of the pandemic. Um, but boy, oh boy, was there a curve um, uh, for that grade. There were, there are some states that people are still not getting uh, the FEMA benefits. Um, it, it, yeah. we're, 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 we can be frustrating. I know it's been hard for folks who've been relying on us, but we've been moving uh, quicker than almost anyone else, and we'll continue to do that. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Tune in this and every Thursday for Governor Raimondo's weekly COVID-19 address at btown.stream. You'll be able to watch live and interact with other viewers. I'll be there in the room asking questions. If you've got a question you'd like me to present, email me, bill at ripodcast.com.